I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Walker here and we are doing our Be Awesome show. I'm so excited about it because we're going to talk about comedy and mental health. Uh, But first, my cohort, my partner in just tons of like psychological crime. No, I'm kidding. Is uh... (laughs) Really? Really? Okay. Wow. Christina Hallett. Thank you for coming on, Christina. (laughs) Oh, Kristen, you know, see, we love to laugh and our listeners know that this is all about sort of not only recognizing the reality of the world, but learning to laugh. And and we know that laughter gives us dopamine. So I love that fabulous intro to start us off. And oh, are you going to love our guest today? I'm so happy to be here and thrilled for you to meet Marla. All right, Marla Schultz. I'm going to read a little bit of your bio. Um, she is a headlining stand-up comic, actress, and public speaker. She's toured the country, opening for Chelsea Handler and other top comics, entertained the troops overseas, and guest starred on many, many television shows. Uh, I, if I keep reading the bio, you'll all go to sleep. So let's just let her not be mute. Hi, Marla. <laughs> Hello, ladies. I'm right, sorry, Kristen and Christina. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. <laughs> no, really, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this topic. Yeah, exactly. Now, how much of your mental health story do you bring up in, let's say, when you're doing, I don't want to say general comedy, but when you're not in the mental health circle, do you do you bring up your mental health story in that too? Is that part of your act or... Um, not yet. I do allude to it, but in terms of doing general comedy with a mental health, uh, um, audience, I think everybody that goes to comedy has some, some <laughs> form of it, to be perfectly honest, because totally. it's all about laughing about your pain. And that's what comics do. You know, they take situations, painful situations, and then they'll turn them into punchlines. But the second part answer of your question is I'm, I'm, I am starting to dress it, uh, in my, in my keynoting and my my speaking career. So 
Kristen, Marla and I met last spring uh, as we were both working with the phenomenal director and producer, Trisha Brooke, uh, who does the Speaker Salon in New York City and now multiple places across the country. I keep and, hearing about the Speaker Salon. I'm so, I, oh, I we, at some point, we got to tell our listeners what that it's is. A game. It's a game. Guess yeah, who? It's yeah, a right. Game. It's a game quiz changer. game. It is a game changer. And Trisha's going to come on with us and she's going to do one of the uh, video ones, the Get Vocal video ones. Mm -hmm. So you'll be able to find out everything about her. She's just delightful. So I met Marla and it is impossible to talk to Marla for more than two minutes without beginning to smile and laugh. Marla, absolutely. Right? It's so true. I adore her. Uh, literally, Marla's way of looking at the world is bright, it's refreshing, but it's honest, it's real. And literally, she does what she just said. She is willing to talk about the things that are so common for all of us, so real, and do it in a way where we can join with her and laugh with her and with ourselves, right? And what better gift can we give, particularly as we enter into the winter holiday season than the gift of laughter? Thank you, Christina. I I feel the same way about you, and I don't want this to be like a verbal masturbation, you know, like, (laughs) ah, I love you. Love, love, love. But since this is like, uh, I first of all, I am blown away at the level of uh, camaraderie um, that I met with the most incredibly beautiful outside, inside, open, accepting, supportive. And it's so great when women are leaning into each other. And I hate to use that phrase, <laughs> but and Christina, she, your smile is like, just lights up the room and your energy and your, your verve and your joie is contagious. And oh. I adore you too. And I Thank love the you. fact, and I love your story about, you know, I got married in prison. <laughs> Yes, Kristen, have we mentioned that to you? Have we, we did. We, yeah, about you, we've talked about it on a show. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so it's good stuff. Well, you no, know, it really is. And actually, we were working together on different keynote speeches that we were doing. And Marla actually helped me with specifically the delivery of how do you do it? Because, you know, there's a science to everything. And right. so you know, nerdy people like me, well, we want to know, like, how do I say this from maximal effect? And so right. Marla... That's my go-to gal for how to do that. Ah, uh, well, I'm, you know, and I, 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 I'm flattered for that. And I just because I see scenes, I need the, the visual cues. I mean, I was diagnosed late with ADD, but I've always seen life through. I call it a Rubik's cube lens. And also, but I, I need active, descriptive words. And I always felt a little self-conscious because I didn't want to impose my will or my way of, of, of stating it. But when you were telling the story and I was like, that's your opening line. I got married in prison. <laughs> because that's like, and we're off. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So as you know, one of the things that we love, you and Marla, you and I, Kristen, you and I, so really all three of us, because now you two are friends too, we (laughs) love to talk about empowerment. I obviously have a special place in my heart for the empowerment of women uh, and basically everyone else as well. But, you know, I really think about women. But Marla, I'm hoping that you can talk a little bit sort of about your own journey of empowerment. And because this is 
how we recognize Be Awesome series is about seeing and talking about what it means to be awesome and the very human struggles that happen along the way within this greater mental health and wellness uh, topic. So how about it? Okay. Um, wow, that's a big amorphous. Where do I die? <laughs> yeah, I'm like that. Do, do I dip my toe in? Or do I just run in and do a cannonball? Um, cannonball. Cannonball. Okay. I'll do a cannonball. Uh, I think where um, I think in in terms of empowerment and what where my path it's been the laughter because uh, you know I was bullied as a kid. I had a really critical father uh, verbally at times. You know he he had been you know physical, um, but the only way to connect with him was through laughter. And I realized that laughter is a great way to put bullies off. And the minute you make somebody laugh, it can it just changes the um, the dynamic, the scene. It I feel like laughter has always been the invisible bubble uh, of protection that would ward off because I people like to laugh. I mean, when you think about it, when you're first born. And somebody picks up a newborn, they want to make the kid laugh. And that that's there's something to it. It's really powerful, I think, on both a uh, a physical, emotional, and cellular level. Um, so I went towards the funny. Um, I loved making people laugh. Laughter was love and acceptance. And from there, I also had an innate thought that I wanted to break the paradigm of where I'm from and the type of relationships that I was experiencing. And I knew at an early age that I had to fix things and I was very open to therapy and alternative programs to just become fully integrated and feeling whole and uh, confident. Mm. And comedy is, you know, as as you got started into it, it was still extremely male dominated. So that has its own scar tissue. <laughs> it does. But then again, concurrently, I was working in the news business. So I started off mm. as a, uh, you know, as a, a PA, a production assistant, and then I became a writer. But I've always worked in male-dominated areas. So the news business, it was the late 80s, and it was like the tail end of the whole Mad Men-esque way of being in a newsroom. But the thing is, you know, with all of this Me Too stuff, I was like jumped by an old 50 guy with like ass breath and hair coming out of his ears. And at the time you had these it was three quarter inch tapes and they were like, they weighed as big of like as an encyclopedia Britannica. And he came <laughs> after me. I need him in the balls, mm. smacked him on the head and we were done. And it's like, that's almost what you had to do. I mean, these right. disgusting guys would come over and hit on you. And um, I had the weatherman writing me notes and I walked up to him and I was just like, fuck off. <laughs> and that's what you had to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like if I I, personally, I I wouldn't go back 20 years and want to call somebody on it because I dealt with it. And it's just the way things were. And we should be so grateful that things have turned out the way they are, that women are really standing up for themselves, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. I think uh, comedy can give you some license to be able to 
take on that in a, in a bold way where without the comedy there, uh, you know, um, you don't have that sort of uh, sword in front of you to have more bold behavior in terms of saying no. But also you have to, you know, I'm around guys a lot. I'm usually the only woman. And uh, like just recently I did a cruise and I had to hang out with these two guys and there was this one guy he just I immediately judge I was like uh he's not into chicks whatever and then there was this black guy not not in a you know sexual way I just I wasn't vibing him and then I saw this black guy and I was like okay great he's going to be a brother but can I tell you the three of us just were inseparable and Uh. and it's because I think I can access being a dude and react and relating to them. Like they could say something inappropriate. You just have to smack them back verbally or snap back, I think is the, uh, is the modern term. You know, you just got to not be afraid. They don't have power over you. They might have physical power, but go to Krav Maga and just know you punch them in the head or the, the throat and you knee them in the balls and you're good to go. <laughs> Right. I'm, I'm not advocating fighting, by the way. I just, I just want to point that out. Sure. Yeah. We've only said it twice so far in like five minutes. That's pretty good. No, but, you know, okay. it's so funny that you mentioned this, Marla, about sort of the spending a lot of time with men and guys, because that certainly was part of my upbringing. You know, I was what we used to call a tomboy in that I far preferred the freedom that young men and boys had. Yep. They got to play sports and I grew up before Title IX. There was, you know, there was no such thing. I desperately wanted to play ice hockey, so not an option. You know, so I would be down at the park playing the pickup games. But my dad was a phys ed teacher, so I got to play hockey because I would bring the puck, <laughs> and that's oh. pretty much the only way that I would be allowed in the games. But that's so funny. So that's what I was doing, right? I was hanging out with guys. I felt very comfortable um, throughout my career. I've always worked about equally, almost probably in like a 52, 48%, 52% women and about mm-hmm. 48% men. And I really enjoy being able to connect and also being able to speak directly. But I think that one of the differences for me anyway, has been that um, I did not see myself and nor did I experience significant bullying. You know, you mentioned that earlier. And so in my head, somehow the way I conceived it, and I feel very fortunate, but I just was a, I'm going to speak up. Because if I think you're doing something that's really obnoxious or jerky, I'm going to say that's obnoxious and jerky. On the other hand, I was not so good at doing the nice, polite, like political kind of thing. So I got really used to just uh, the direct sort of comeback or don't talk about that. Like, that's not okay. What are you doing? Let's get back to business. Which later on, I think really helped, you know, as an adult, I think that that helped, but I didn't have some of those experiences, I think that other women have in terms of being uh, raised in an environment or a situation or having the set of experiences where what was, what they were getting accolades for was being kind to people, people liking them, um, being accommodating those kinds of things. And I think that can set us up to being in a position where then as an adult, it's a lot harder to speak up because you're right. not speaking up. Do you know what's interesting about speaking up? You know, I'm still in touch with a lot of the women that I worked with, you know, in the newsroom and you had to speak up. You had to 
be, you know, a tomboy. I loved playing with the guys. Uh, and I always, and then as I got older and I, I got a very close nucleus of male comedy comic friends. I was like the Elaine from Seinfeld and I loved it. And I loved <laughs> being with just the guy because sometimes if I was with the women and particularly comedian, female comedians, there could be um, a, there's like a competition and I, I know I could be very competitive, but I just want to ping back to working with Trisha Brooke. And when I met Christina is I never felt actually, that's not true with one person. I felt very competitive, um, but that was my own stuff considering they used a line from my speech and I was yeah. like oh my god it's my joke <laughs> that's what a comedian do I was like I can't and I even told on her like I was this wussy geek I was like yeah she's using my joke and I can't believe it and anyway um I get very possessive over for words and jokes, but to be with such supportive women was so incredible. And I, I, I call them the C word. And then I add a T Y and then I attached a T W A T Y. So that was my expression for women that I didn't like. <laughs> See you next Tuesday, E Y or whatever. Right. But I think well, it's really important for women to be so supportive of each other and to be able to like almost deal with how like guys deal. Like they're like, you know, you're an asshole. You know what? You're an asshole too. And then they're done. You know, they don't have like girl drama. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of girl drama. I, I didn't, um, I did not grow up in, I was definitely a tomboy, but I, the men were a minefield of, um, psychopathy <laughs> psychopher for me See, growing up I love that yeah so I uh I did not become friends with men until my 40s and um and I love it now I absolutely you know adore it and love it and friends with with really great women too but um I had a lot of contrast and a lot of therapy and a lot of personal work to do before I could get to this you know, this place. So, um, it's, it's really empowering when you get here, but it takes a lot of work. Right. And particularly if you come from some sort of dysfunctional, uh, background, mm -hmm. you know, where, uh, you, like you say, if your mother didn't have girlfriends, you know, or she was really judgmental. And then you had a dad who was, you know, just working in his shop and he had no friends, you know, you don't really, you don't, you, you don't learn how to mirror, you know, know, socialized behavior. Um, uh, and then if you want, you know, cause everybody has the hero's journey, if that's what you want to do and you can really, you know, all those stupid cliches, cream rises to the top. It really is. Um, it, it's true. It's like that, you know, the haves and the have nots, the haves who have sought out, um, some sort of an enlightenment, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. Just you know, my humble opinion. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's true. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Kristen. No, I was just saying, I was just saying it absolutely is true. You have to seek it out. You, it, it, people, it doesn't just drop in your lap or, or it tries to, and it's up to you to actually see what's dropped in your lap and do something with it and work on your own shit in order to get past your stuff to look at something differently. And, you know, we get into the science of it, but a lot of it is, you know, changing those neural pathways as well, especially when you've grown up in extremely abusive um, environments, uh, getting yeah. beyond that is a Olympiad's journey. 
so I was thinking about all of this as we're talking and I was thinking, I was trying to decide what I would say about my relationships with girls and women as I think back over my life. And I was going to say, oh, I didn't really have female friends until I got into college. But then I thought, oh, that's, that's a total lie. That's not true. Like I had a ton of friends. I was on, uh, you know, we were able to play softball. So I was on a softball team, things like that. Um, I was even a cheerleader for one year. And, um, <laughs> but I went to I Wellesley College. Yeah, you know, yay. Woo. Then it was much more fun to play sports. So yeah, goodbye cheerleading. But, um, so I went to Wellesley as a women's college, and uh, it was while I was at Wellesley, and then much more so, actually, even another decade later, that I first began to really understand some of the differences and the extreme value in friendships and relationships between women. And that's one of the things I really value right now. And I'm almost done listening to Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, which love, 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 love. I love hearing her. I wish it's, I don't know, something like 18 hours. I wish it was, you know, 518 hours because I just want to keep listening to her over and over again. Wow. She wow. She talks about how important her female friends are and her friends yeah. who act as family and this whole other kind of connection that between women we can have that really supports us and lifts us up and lets us, us see ourselves in a kinder and more compassionate way than happens in other relationships. Right. I always say to one of my girlfriends, Tony Ann, I, you know, I come from friends, you know, I have a nucleus since I was in sixth grade. There's four of us. And, you know, I, I don't need to go from where it was, but we're still really tight. And the irony is when we get together for our reunions, we're all dressed very similarly, which I think is hilarious. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only brunette with no kids. And the three of them are, uh, you know, blonde and really skinny, but we all wind up wearing the same stuff. And we're all, we've all gone on our own journeys, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, but, but I think it's really important to have, you know, that kind of feeling. And Christine, I don't know if I ever told you this, but now as you get older, it's, you know, you just want to get, you know, cut to the chase to make sure that if you do want a new friend, there has to, to me, how I decide is if I like your blouse, you tell me where you get it. I'm like, she's cool. Exactly. You know what I mean? Marla hooked me up with a place to get shoes and boots right away. I'm like, ooh, perfect. Fabulous. You've got Hilarious. fashion to no, share. I, I'm I, so I, Right. But, and then, you know, the second date is, Hey, you want to split something? And they're into splitting food. I'm like, this is my kind of girl. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Even better. Will you let me take a French fry off your plate? Right. Exactly. Like, what, exactly. I, don't, you know, I was, my parents despaired of me because I really liked like share, literally sharing something from someone else, giving them some of mine, taking some of theirs. Or you're like, they're like, gross. No, that's yours. Keep yours. I'm like, no, it's different when I take one of yours than one of mine. Exactly. It, it tastes always better. tastes better. Yes. Right. yes. Yes, Kristen. <laughs> I have a question for you uh, around this, this whole thing fascinates me with what you had said in the beginning about being able to talk about mental health um, in the mix of your comedy 
What fascinates me is when we're talking about mental health, you're just talking about being a human being. There's people have have automatically assigned mental illness to the term mental health and and you know neither should be stigmatized, but that's what's funny. It's like someone says mental health and then all of a sudden people think illness and that's not right. that's not the way that it is, but everybody ha- struggles with their mental health. Every I don't, Gandhi struggled with his mind. You know, I mean, it's an every person thing. And what's funny is it's like, you have to be a little bit careful about what you'll say about it. Even if you're in something like comedy where you are not a comedian, unless you have had mental health issues. <laughs> no, it's true. How the <laughs> what hell does that? It's like so weird to walk in that world and, and have to sort of catch yourself. So I, I wonder, you know, what are your, your thoughts around that? Um, in, I think, let me just, I, just so I'm understanding the question, what is it like to be in the comedy world with other psychos and how do you deal and make it (laughs) much better Um, than my long, thank you. I think Christina can uh, can attest to this. I, I there were times when people were presenting their stuff, and it was like, and if, uh, and it went on and on, and I'd be like, cut the fat, just you know, land the plane. <laughs> I also do that with my husband because he's a lawyer, and he'll say it once, and he'll say it again and again, and then he's like, you're not listening. I said, I heard it the first time. Just land the plane. Anyway, getting back to your question is, um, they say to become a really good comedian, it takes ten years. And they call the the uh, the analogy they use is peeling away the layers of an onion. So in order to get the, to the pulpy sweet stuff, it's uh, uh, what bonded me to my best friend was that we would rip on each other and make fun of the most painful things, be it. Um, uh, like I, I was so depressed. I was suicidal. I was binging my brains out. Uh, he was with me and I picked up, you know, two, two pints of ice cream. That was my food of choice until I got, uh, hypnotized. And I remember at the green grocer, the Asian guy goes, you want one spoon or two? (laughs) I was chubby and he immediately assumed that I, it was just for me. And I was, you know, I do this whole song and dance go. I need four spoons. Actually, make it six. I have company coming over. Oh, yeah. I've done that too. Oh my lord! This jug of wine is no, really crazy. for all my guests instead of it's just for me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But the fact that my friend Sam, out of the blue, like we would order something, we'd be out. He goes, "You want one spoon or two? <laughs> you know." We could just make fun of stuff. And I think, uh, you know, comedy to me was a lifeline. It, it really, uh, I was able to look at stuff. And the minute I would make fun of being OCD or, you know, being depressed or what saved me from being, you know, wanting to off myself and having people come up and say, oh, my God, thank you so much. I felt mm-hmm. that way, too. It breaks down the shame. So I think, you know, laughter is a shame slayer. Oh, I love that laughter. You should call your you should call your own show the Shame Slayer. Um, what what about all of this PC stuff that's going on? Where like we can't like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. We can't listen to Baby. It's cold outside. Like it's to I'm I'm going on a news program today at 
four o'clock to talk about this. And I'm just sitting there like, good God, we can't say anything anymore. That's got to kill comedy. <laughs> no, it really does. It really does. Um, uh, it, it does. Well, first of all, I won't talk about um, politics because, except when I'm on uh, this radio show, um, and I always take a contrarian stance. But it's just, it, it's like we've just turned into giant poussoirs, and that's P-U-S-S. Yes. It, it's, I, I just, it makes me crazy, and I love to say things that are inappropriate just to get a rise out of people. And when you go back to the beginnings of comedy, comedy you know, Greeks owned diners, Asians were really bad drivers, Jews were loud and they complained, Black people talked in movies. You know, all this stuff came from something. Right. And it's really what made us dinner. Um, dinner. <laughs> that, no, the Greeks made us dinner. <laughs> Sorry thinking about that. About yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no, I'm thinking that I'm in North Carolina and I can't find an old school diner. That's <laughs> the ADD that just pops in every once in a while. I'm like, what was I saying? <laughs> you know, but, but it was the differences that made us funny. And if you can't laugh about that and now everybody is so sensitive and it's really, an, oh, what I find most annoying is unisex bathrooms. <laughs> I had somebody blast me on Facebook because I, I had, I posted something that I thought was funny. Clearly it landed like a thud, but I'm not a comedian, but I said something about, you know, I don't want to be pooping in a stall next to a dude. I just don't. And oh my God, I finally had to block the person because they just, when I wouldn't continue to engage on Facebook, it was then in my chat and all this craziness. And I, you're a mental health speaker and you say these things. And I'm like, who surgically removed your sense of humor? Um, exactly. Exactly. What I find so offensive is I'm sitting there waiting and, or, and, or, uh, I'll follow a guy and they don't flush pee down the, the toilet. I don't know what, what, what is that? And they I don't do that and it. they don't wash their hands. Come on, wash your hands. Well, there used to be able to just do a don't. jingle. I didn't really touch the liquid area cause I don't have to wipe. So I don't need to wash my hands. And I'm like, no, God knows what is on that other area. Wash your hand. Right. And don't oh. touch the doorknob for God's sakes. Right. One time I just was so fed up in this like handsome, well-dressed guy. And I looked in the toilet and there was bubbles. And I go, excuse me, young man, turns around. I mean, he was older than me. And he's looking at me. And I go, uh, I just, uh, ex excuse me, um, are, are you pregnant or do you have an STD? And he's like, what? And I go, you you left a urine sample in the, in the toilet. Do I look like a lab corp technician? And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? I said, I would like you to go back and finish the job. So go flush your toilet. And he did it. And you could just see he was all like verklempt and, and just like, he was, he didn't know what to do. And I go, and don't, I go flush. You're not being economical or you're <laughs> not helping the economy just flush. <laughs> right. How difficult is it to go? Fling. Uh, trying to save water. So I, let me let me push at you guys a little bit here because okay. I have I'm of two minds. I love comedy and I love the ability to, as I said, to laugh at ourselves and with others. But there are many times where I feel like 
either the language that we're using or the way in which comedy is used, it's unkind, it's mean, and it's uh, denigrating to others. And so my husband loves comedy and he'll like watch the comedy show or want to go see comedians. And I've gone to a couple shows with him and I'm like, I can't be here. I am so offended by the way. And, and I think I have a great sense of, he says I don't, but I think I have a great sense of, humor. Do. but there's this way in which people are putting someone down. They're not joining with them, but they're putting them down. And so for me, that's where then the languaging comes in, in terms of what is it okay for us to say or not say. And maybe some of that is literally the particular situation. A comedian on stage uh, may be able to say something in a way that that I would not be comfortable with in a a conversation over dinner. Um, But where are you guys about that? Because I'm sort of mixed. I do you mind if I jump in or Kristen? Uh, please, no, you go, you go. Listeners have heard me say. Um, okay, I uh, like you know when Louis C.K. started, you know all the stuff was bubbling up about you know he he was sexually inappropriate and a lot of female comedians spoke out about him. I there were times when I liked him uh, and I thought he was really clever. He was talking about his kid. But then when he would go too dark and talk about rape or something Mm. like child, just and he thought he was being really clever because he was touching upon a taboo uh, topic that turned me off. And to this day, uh, I don't like to hear about, you know, male comics with their uh, really putting women down or being misogynistic like a Joe Rogan. Um, Thank you. I don't like that. I can't stand it. And also, I think when women are really denigrating themselves Mm -hmm. um, and also like I talked about sex and banging guys, but I would say, yeah, so I bang this guy, whatever. I don't want to hear about jizz or body fluids. um, (laughs) Right. Unnecessary. We just had somebody we had to help them. They they. Their name, I don't even want to say her name. Her name starts off sounding like Jizz. And so she used that as her, oh, yeah, just call me Jizz. And I, I just had to take her aside. My program director, Melanie, and I had to take her aside and say, people are laughing and they're doing it in a way that you probably wouldn't like if you knew why. So don't call yourself Jizz. <laughs> Yeah, but she had no idea. I was like, "Wow, okay." But yeah, I I I agree. I mean, I think sometimes I've heard things, and I think um, that's really funny. And then other times, I'm like, "Ugh." I, I'll say I went and saw um, Lisa Lampanelli once with my ex-husband, and she made fun of him through the whole thing, and was completely offensive in today's world. She would have been blasted for the things she was saying, but it was so delivered in such a great way that everybody was in hysterics, including my ex-husband. So it's all in the delivery too, I think. Oh, absolutely. There was also times like Lisa Lampinelli. I mean, it's like Don Rickles was funny and Don Rickles would make fun of all the different ethnicities and people laughed along. And quite honestly, if he was still around, I bet he would still, uh, you know, he would get away with it because he really was so, so funny. You know, Lisa Lampanelli, she go a little bit far for sure. Um, And she would take it, 
you know, I, she's really brilliant. She's really fun. And by the way, she's kind of, uh, getting out of comedy yeah, I just or saw she that. really wants to focus. Yeah. About being, uh, you know, nicer and more of a life coach, particularly around food. Uh, but Chelsea, when she was making fun, she would rip on people and she, a couple of, you know, she made a joke about Donald Trump's kid who is, I think is, uh, you know, absolutely skeevy. And she made a comment about Lindsey Graham being gay. I think people got very upset, you know, because of, you know, the, the making fun of, uh, could he be Child. a homosexual? She not right. who the hell knows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it can be taken too far. Um, there's sometimes it feels like there's some real anger with the comedian and they are, um, and that's coming out in, in, you know, who they're attacking. So it's a fine line, but every comedian oversteps, uh, at some point, you know, on, on something, but this idea that we need to be such I don't know who who is the appointed president of our moral police now, because it seems like there's there needs to be an appointment of someone because it's just to me, Christina, you know, from your perspective, it's like we have this uh, learned helplessness going on where we're just have no power in our lives and we're just at the mercy of being offended by everyone. And it's ridiculous. Well, and you know, that's a, a good point. Cause I think when we really, I'm going to bang my drum again, but when we really recognize the common humanity between each one of us, and when we treat ourselves and others with compassion, we don't need to be offended by things. We can understand where someone's coming from. We can also then more directly, if something doesn't feel right, or it feels mean-spirited, speak to that in that way. And I think for me, that's part of the, the difference is the division of, are we seeing other people as equal and treating them as we're all, we're all in the same boat? And some of us have more challenging experiences that we're going through than others may be. But that doesn't mean that they're a less than as a person or worthless, you know. And I think that oftentimes when we've come up with these what's politically correct, it's because we're trying to do something to recognize the otherness of someone else or the way in which some other group has been disenfranchised. And it's I think it's so important to recognize where people have been disenfranchised or dis, uh, yeah. denigrated, but it doesn't mean that we then have to go all the way to the other end as well and say, it's not okay to say this, this, and this. I, I think I would love us to be recognizing each one of us as individuals so that everyone's an other, not that we have an in-group and an out-group. Yeah, absolutely. Marla, tell our listeners, you know, where they can find you and, you know, what's on your plate in terms of upcoming shows. Oh, uh, you guys can follow me on Instagram at, at Marla Schultz Comedy. That's M-A-R-L-A-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. Twitter, I barely check. I'm also on Facebook as Marla Schultz Comedy. Uh, I have a couple of gigs in in and around New York. I'm doing a storytelling, which I'm really excited. And Christina, I'm going to do The Accidental Advocate. The oh, fantastic. Week. Yes, Yay. and that is, that is going to be at, I should have had this all written down, but of course I'm disorganized. Well, Let everybody can go to your that. website too, right? And find yeah. it. 
yeah, 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 yeah. So that's really the best place where you can, you know, Marla at MarlaSchultz.com is always another good way of just getting in touch. And uh, that's the best way to follow me. The, the question is, I have to post where I'm going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Marla, what's the name? You know how you're you're doing that very funny um, on Facebook, your little live show. What is that called? Oh, my gosh. Thank you. It's called Big Adventures with Marla. And I, uh, I pretend I'm actually on a network and I have a cameraman named Pierre, the, uh, the invisible cameraman and Alexa is my sidekick. And, um, it's like an extension of me. It's fun. And, um, it's, uh, it's, you know, I love it because actually, and also dancing in public has really made me, given me so much freedom of not caring what anybody says. And you guys have to oh. come dance with me. Oh, oh yes. Well, I, I was on one of your episodes of Adventures with Marla briefly uh, as we yes, ran were. into each other in, how, how on you, the streets of New York. How do you film this? Like, who is <laughs> filming it for you? I have to hear about this. Um, it's my left hand with a tripod and I pretend it's Pierre. The, uh... Nice. It's fantastic. Yeah. That's the great thing that I, you know, that I've noticed about, you know, you, people really want that real stuff with the humor in it. It does not need to be this overly produced multiple camera um, thing in order to get your voice out there. So those kind of things are, you know, what take off. And when you, you, you least expect it, you're like, wow, how did that get so much attention? So good for you and anyone it's, dancing, you know, freely. In is, public. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. The very best but place the show- to dance is on the street when you hear the music in your head and no one else does. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I'm always listening to old school disco and I'm always telling young kids, you know, listening to rap. I go, you got to, you know, if you want game, you better learn how to listen to like great, like Marvin Gaye and all that stuff and just get your groove on because it just connects people. Oh, that's all that's on my phone. And my son looks at my phone and he's like, are you kidding me with this stuff? Yes. Uh, or no, I'm not kidding. Uh, sexual healing is the first one that plays on my Alexa playlist. So uh, I don't want to hear. There you go. <laughs> See, Alexa's awesome. your sidekick too. That's right. She is. I have to be careful because if I say her too loudly <laughs> in the studio, she turns on and starts talking during my shows. Yay. In fact, she just beeped at me. But Marla, thank you so much. Hopefully Waze is uh, is taking you where you need to go while you're driving. So <laughs> but my mom's driving. On. Oh, okay. Thanks, mom. Thanks, mom, for letting her finish up the show with us. <laughs> and listen, ladies, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. We will talk again. Sounds thank you, good. Marla. All right. Big big hug. Bye. But never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. 
Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial.